0: All right, very good. Off to a good start. Um, we are going to do something a little bit differently this morning. We're going to go ahead and tell the children, you're dismissed. You can go ahead and go to Children's Church. Because I know you're pretty upset by that, I can tell. Um, we're going to go ahead and let them go down there, because I'm going to start off this morning with the, the sermon, and then we're going to do some uh, worship in song in just a little bit, but today is our final Sunday in our capital campaign that we've been calling Thrive. Now, I know some of you are disappointed because you're thinking this is the last Sunday that Ron's going to be talking about giving to something. I know you're d- terribly disappointed in that, uh, but uh, we do want to share with you some some uh, some principles today, just some things that we've been uh, talking about over the last month and, and um just really encourage you to get on board and help with what we believe God is wanting us to do through East Columbus Christian Church and through Columbus Christian School. It was in March of 2014 that I was coaching the Columbus Christian Girls Varsity Basketball team, and we were getting ready to play for a national championship in Dayton, Tennessee. Now, the whole week long, we honestly... We didn't think we even had a chance to go down there and compete much because our our regular season ended on not a very good note. And so we're just kind of like playing it off and just having some silly fun time waiting to go to Tennessee. And we get down to Tennessee, and we win our first game, and and we win our second game, and then our third game, and then we're starting to think, hey, we could do this. We get into our fourth game. Then in the fifth game, the final Four, and while we 're playing in the final Four in one gym, the team we 're getting ready to play is playing in another gym at the exact same time, so Kendall was down in Tennessee with us, and he went to scout the other team for me and so he came back with a scouting report uh, right before our national championship game, and I vividly remember we 're sitting behind the lodge in Dayton, Tennessee, and uh, we 're going over the scouting report and, and uh, we're just talking about what we what we need to do to get the job done. And then Kendall said something to the girls that I don't think I'll ever forget. He said, Tomorrow morning, you're gonna wake up different. You're gonna wake up as national champions. Now, you could have heard a pin drop because um, those girls were—they were just all in. They were locked in, and they were ready to go. And we made our way from behind the lodge to the gym. And the the road that leads there is a, is a gravel road. And all you could hear was the the feet of the basketball players shuffling through the gravel as we're on our way to the gym. And Kendall said to me, he "said Ron, they're bigger. They're they're faster." They're more athletic. They have great shooters. They're fundamentally sound. I said, do we have a chance? And he said, you're going to have to play nearly a perfect game. And I felt like Lloyd Christmas in Dumb and Dumber, and I said, so you say there's a chance. Now, I, did, I didn't want to sell our girls short, but I had already decided in my mind, you know, National runner-up is not that bad, you know. I'd already conceded to it. Again, I didn't want to let the girls know that I was thinking that, but I'm, I'm thinking national runner-up. That's not so bad. And then this happened. We had a great we win. Win. Yeah, This is off the read, read three, good! (laughs) That was pretty cool, uh, and uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on the fact that if there had been a couple seconds left, we probably would have lost because we missed a blockout on the shot. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but uh, I'm over that. Um, it was it was awesome. Uh, we got to experience something uh, in a basketball moment that I think most of the girls would agree was one of the, the coolest experiences they got to do at CCS. But I also think that uh it was it was more than just a basketball game, you know we we got a nice banner hanging on the wall down there, and we got a nice big picture and i 've got a ring that sits in a box in my dresser at home um, and it helps me to remember that it's so much more than just a basketball experience here at our school. our girls, our boys as well, made lifelong relationships um through their Athletics through drama, through their classroom. They, in, they received uh, education from a biblical worldview every single day. And every single student that walks through the doors of this school building gets to experience that. They have that privilege. And two of uh, both of my sons, they graduated from here and got that experience. As I've told you before, my daughter-in-law um, met my son here, uh, that would probably would not have happened if it wasn't for this, this school. And so I'm thankful for the vision that this church had nearly 50 years ago to start a school. And to see what it has become down through the years is nothing short of amazing. So this is your pregame pep talk right now. Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up different. You're going to wake up as legacy builders, You're going to wake up as the group of believers that God used to do something bold, maybe even crazy to some people, all for the purpose of reaching the next generation and building the kingdom for Jesus Christ. We have an opportunity to do something that's absolutely uh, incredible. We have the opportunity to leave a legacy for future generations. Now, The definition of a legacy is an inheritance uh, or a quality that's handed down from a a previous generation. It includes more than passing on wealth. It also means to pass along character, beliefs, and faith. There's a song that Casting Crowns does that's called Only Jesus, and in that song, the lyrics say, I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me, only Jesus. I've only got one life to live. I'll let every second point to him, only Jesus. And that's that's what I'm talking about. I don't want people to look at what um, what we're doing. I want people to see what God is doing through us. And the reality of the fact is we're all leaving a legacy of, of some kind. We're leaving a mark of some kind. And so I want to ask you this morning, what kind of mark are you leaving? Or what kind of mark are you planning Uh, to leave behind when you go to meet Jesus, or when uh, Jesus calls you home, because, you know, I've said this before, statistics prove, one out of every one dies, you know? You're going to leave this world at some point, and so what kind of legacy are you going to leave behind? And I want people to say, look at what God did through them. Wayne Smith used to say, you can bury a body, but you can't bury influence. Kendall and I have used that at a lot of different funerals, and And uh, it's true. You can bury a body, but you can't bury influence. And so what kind of influence, what kind of legacy do we want to leave for those who come behind us? I'm so thankful for what we have in Jesus Christ because those who had the foresight to give us what we have in this church, those who have been the pillars of the faith down through the years, those who uh, have been the pillars of the faith through the school, and it's just amazing to see what we have now because of what people have done for us in the past. And so we're all we're all leaving something behind. Um, it reminds me of a couple of different men in history whose family trees were traced. The first man was a, a guy by the name of Max Juke. Max was a backwoodsman known for hard living, bad work ethics, very weak work ethics. His influence and legacy left a lot to be desired. And to his many children, most of whom were illegitimate. Max left his name to be ridiculed, values to be forgotten, and a faith that was non existent. As a result, there are 709 known descendants of Max Jukes, and they include 280 paupers, 140 known criminals, 60 thieves, 6 murderers, 128 prostitutes, 67 with sexually transmitted diseases, and nearly 300 of his descendants, died early in life. There was a second man who was alive at the same time as Max Juke, and his name was Jonathan Edwards, the famous preacher. His legacy and his influence through his family produced 1,394 people. 100 of them were lawyers, 30 were judges, 13 were college presidents, 100 were professors, 62 were doctors, 100 of them were preachers, missionaries, or theologians. Eighty of them were elected to public office, including three mayors, three governors, several congressmen, three senators, and one vice president of the United States of America in the name of Aaron Burr. Sixty were authors writing 135 different books. Seventy-five were army and navy officers. And while we can't say every single uh, descendant of Jonathan Edwards was a Christian, we can say there is a sharp contrast in the legacy that Jonathan Edwards left to his family. And the legacy that Max Juke left for his family—not you, but I want more of a Jonathan Edwards kind of legacy. Amen. That's what I want. That's what we want as a church. That's what we want as a school. That's what we're shooting for. That's why we are trying to come alongside the church and the school and help us raise uh, as as godly a people as we can possibly raise. And today. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look deep into your heart and ask yourself this question. How can I leave a legacy of faith for those who follow me? Well, here's the first thing I think we need to do, and it has absolutely nothing to do with a dollar sign. We've got to be people of character. We must be people of character. Now, I didn't say you've got to be a character. We've got plenty of those. I'm saying you've got to have character. Proverbs 22 one says, a good man, or a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. And I think most of us would agree that when we look at our world today, it seems that there are more people who are concerned with silver and gold than they are character. There's this mindset in our society that thinks like this. You know, um, you can do bad things and still be a good Christian. You can do whatever you want to do to try to get ahead, and you don't have to worry about some of those things that maybe the Bible teaches or the church teaches. And all I got to do is just go back to church on Sunday morning and sit in a pew and maybe give an offering and gather around the Lord's table, and everything's going to be okay. In other words, there's this mindset that you can live like the devil Monday through Saturday, but just be a saint on Sunday, and everything's going to be Okay, I want to tell you that how we live out our faith is a big deal. The things that we say, the things that we do, they matter to God. And we can't just flippantly uh, take advantage of God's grace. We can't just do whatever we want to do and just say, well, you know, God's grace is going to take care of it. The things that we say and do, they matter to God, and they should matter to us as well because I guarantee you They matter to the world as well because the world is watching even closer than they ever have what the churches are doing and what Christians are doing. And I've said this often, so I hope you don't get tired of hearing it, but the number one reason a person becomes a Christian is because they know another Christian. And the number one reason a person does not become a Christian is because they know a Christian. Our character matters. To what we say we believe, we better be backing it up with our lives, to the best of our ability, with everything that we say, everything that we do, everything that we are, even everything that we have. And for several months now, we've been talking about building onto our school, and I'm, I'm convinced that's exactly what God wants us to do, and I'm convinced that He's going to build His kingdom through this expansion. But if we as a church... And we as individuals are not building our character as well. What's the point? We might attract some people to what we're doing. They might look at that building that's that's going on and they might say, Wow, look what that church is doing. Look what that school is doing. And they might be drawn to us. But if our character is not being built and we're not as Christ-like as possible, we're going to turn off a lot of people. If we're building a building and not building character at the same time, then I think we've, we've missed the boat. But if we are doing both at the same time, if we are building the building and we are building our character and becoming more like Jesus every single day, well, that's a pretty formidable one-two punch against the kingdom of darkness. And it's more than just making a, a good reputation for ourselves. It's about building character because there's a difference between reputation and and character. Somebody put it like this one, one time. Reputation is what you try to live up to. Character is what you are. Reputation is what precedes you. Character is what remains in you when you're gone. Reputation is made in a moment. Character is built in a lifetime. I have a youth minister friend, um, well he was my our youth minister in North Vernon for several years, Jerry Halpin. Uh, and uh, he used to go on trips with the kids, and he would have three rules on every single trip that he would go on. He would say, rule number one, don't embarrass God. Rule number two, don't embarrass the church. Rule number three, don't embarrass Jerry. And those were his three rules, and, and I think that's what we have to do as a church and as a school as well. We have to make God proud. We can't embarrass God by our lack of character. We can't embarrass ourselves by doing things that don't align with what Scripture says. We have to be people of character, people of of God. Each of us who call ourselves Christians is called to live out a life that leaves a legacy of faith by making disciples. And that's what this whole process has been about, making disciples. So be people of character and be people of conviction. That's the second thing. In simplest terms... Conviction is the practice of your faith and the certainty of your beliefs. What you believe and what you value will be a legacy for future generations. And what I want for this church, what I want for this school, is for future generations to to look back and not say, Oh, look what those people did back in 2021 and 22. That's not what I want. I want people of future generations to look back and say, This church is... Convictions were so strong that they were willing to do whatever they needed to do, even in the midst of a pandemic, to step out on a limb and build a kingdom. To say, you know what, I don't, I don't care what's going on in the world, I don't care what the, they say the economy might do. I'm, tr- I'm putting my trust in God, not in what people are saying. I want future generations to see that we cared enough about them and we cared enough about their future to build. One of my favorite characters in the Old Testament is a guy by the name of Joshua. Joshua was an amazing man of conviction. He was amazing uh, just just amazing man. He believed in God and it not only shaped his destiny but it shaped his leadership and uh, his legacy and we still talk about him today several thousand years later because his conviction was so strong. He wasn't afraid to stand up for God. He wasn't afraid to do something bold. He wasn't afraid to even do something crazy if he knew God was in it. And we live in a time where we have so many things messed up in our world. Would you agree with me on that? Many of our people have traded absolute truth and they've changed it into, well, that's just your opinion. And even some churches and some Christians are buying into this lie and we can't fall for it because what we're seeing right now is more and more people are being attracted to the truth. They're, they're, they, they want the truth. They, they, they want to hear the truth. They want to be in the truth and we can't fall for this lie that, well, that's just your opinion. And the fact that we want to share this truth and communicate this truth with the next generation is evidence that, that we just we, we want to build the kingdom. We're more concerned about truth than we are comfort. You know? We're going to be so connected to what God wants to do through us that, that, that we don't care what the enemy might say. And the truth is, more and more families are getting fed up with our kids being indoctrinated with junk in our society. You know? More and more families are looking for educational opportunities that don't fly in the face of Scripture. I have a lot of people ask me, well, what's the difference between uh, Columbus Christian and other schools? And I say, well, and I don't want to knock public schools because we've got a lot of great teachers, we've got a lot of great kids in public schools. A lot of you sitting out there have gone through public schools and you've done just fine. But the big difference to me is that the values and the morals that you're trying to teach your children in your home." are reinforced here rather than challenged. And the reason why they're reinforced is because it's all biblically based. It's from a biblical world view. Things like critical race theory come up and the encouragement of a transgender lifestyle or other LGBTQ agendas that are being Basically forced upon our children, um, a lot of families are not okay with that right now, and they're looking for, they're looking for something else. And there comes a point in time when we, we got to stand up, and we got to say that we want to be that something else. We want to be able to handle any student that is looking for that. Joshua 24, beginning in verse one, Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. And then I sent Moses and Aaron and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there. And I brought you out. And when I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help. And he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. And you saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. And then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. And I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. And they fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. And when Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. And then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands, and I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings, you did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them, and eat from Ben. And olive groves that you did not plant. Verse 14 Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. And then Joshua said these famous words, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see what Joshua is doing here? Joshua is going through this long list of things where God, time and time and time again, where it seemed there was no way for something to happen, God said, no, I helped make it happen. No, I didn't just help make it happen. I made it happen for you. And when I think about everything that God has done for this church down through the years, I can't help but think he's going to do even more for us in the future. We're familiar with that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're not as familiar with the next few verses. Verse 16, then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God Himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled and the Lord drove out before us all the nations including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because He is our God. That's what they said. They said, Joshua we see, we understand what God has done and we are going to Continue to serve him because of all that he's done for us. Joshua had led the people of Israel to this point, to this place, and he reminded them of just how good God had been. And their response was, we're willing to do whatever, Joshua. We're, We're willing to leave behind this other junk that we've been worshiping and return to faithfulness in God. Now, I'm encouraging you to not buy into what the world is It's teaching you. I'm encouraging you not to listen to what the enemy might be saying to you. I'm encouraging you to remember all the good things that God has given to you. And maybe consider today returning something to Him that's very good. And, And here's the reason. It's because we want to leave a legacy for Christ. That's the bottom line. We want to leave a legacy for Christ. One way we can do that is to make sure that the work and the mission of His church continues on. And this requires personal investment of each of us. We have to live out our faith. We have to give to His causes. We have to make sure that His work continues long after we've stepped into eternity. I heard a preacher say one time, I just want to preach the gospel faithfully, proclaiming the name of Jesus And then I want to die. That's it. We're not here to make a name for ourselves. We're here to point people to Jesus and then go to heaven. That should be the goal of every single one of us. Point people to Jesus. So many things get more of our time. So many things get so much more of our attention. So many things get so much more of our money than the things that Jesus wants for us. And this morning I want to ask you to consider what God wants you to commit to so that you can leave a legacy for future generations. How can you leave this place better than you found it? I was taught in Bible college that when you go to a church, don't ever leave that church unless you uh, help to make that church better than when you first got there. Um, I want to ask you to to just consider what are you you going to do to make this church better, make this school better um, by leaving a legacy of faith? Matthew 6, verse 19, we're told "Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust, destroy them where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I'd like to appeal to our online community this morning as well. If you're watching online today and you want to be a part of something that God is doing here at ECCC, CCS, uh, and you'd like to support it, you don't really know how to do it. Would you reach out to us? Um, You can you can text. Uh, support, can we do that? Is that something we don't have that set up, Spencer? No? I forgot to do that. That would have been a great idea, wouldn't it? Um, just Send us an email, all right? Facebook message, call us. We'd love to talk to you about how you can jump on board and, and help with this. And here's the deal. It, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out we can't all give equally, right? Some people just have more money than others. That's just a fact of life. We cannot give equally, but we can make equal sacrifices. And here's what we're gonna do, um, John. If you would, would you put that commitment card up on the screen? I don't know if you can see that very well. Um, and if you don't have a commitment card yet, and and uh, our guys, our, our our guys out back there, ready to uh, pass these commitment cards out. If you'd like to take one of these. Uh, and fill it out on the front. There's just some suggestions. This isn't something that, you know, uh, K- uh, Spencer and I were talking about this. We're starting to starting to feel like Caleb here in just a little bit. You know, if you're listening to the, uh, you know, hey, in the next hour, if you would just give this much. We don't want it to be like that at all. We want you to consider what you can do uh, financially. Some of you might be sitting out there and you might be thinking, Ron, you just don't understand. I can't do anything financially right now. I do understand that, really. Not everyone right now is in a place to give extra. We already ask you to give an offering here every week and then to say, oh, you want us to go above and beyond that? That's asking a lot. I understand that. And if you're not able to give, praise God, that's okay. But we do need 100% participation. So will you pray for this campaign there's a place on the card where you know if you're not able to give that's that is that's fine that's great but there's a place where you can check that you will be praying for us today and over the next three years um this is a a three-year campaign we're asking for a three-year uh commitment and so uh you can you can fill that out um and if you need, are there are guys in here with the cards? If you'd like a card, would you raise your hand, and, and they'll bring one to you. Uh, maybe some of you already have them. Um, and you can fill that out during our worship time. And and what we've done is we've got a couple boxes up here. You can walk up to the front and give them. Or we've got boxes on your way out. You, could, you can place your card in, in the box. Um, but you can give monthly. You can give quarterly, you can give weekly, you can give annually, you can give a one-time gift, whatever you decide you want to do, that's between you and the Lord. Just go through there and fill that out. There's one part on there that might be confusing to some of you. Um, it's it's this first fruits gift here. Um, that's next week's offering. What a lot of people will want to do is if they commit to, say, a monthly gift or a quarterly gift, uh, you might just want to uh, Bring that first one in next Sunday, that gives us a good chunk of money to work with in the in the, in the coming uh, weeks and months as we go forward with our campaign so next Sunday will be our first fruits offering, and you can bring your first offering of what you're committing in next week. Does everybody understand that because I know that's been a little bit confusing if you have any questions, certainly see us after uh, see us after the, the service. Um, and I want to ask you just to consider what kind of legacy are you gonna leave. I'll be honest, I don't I don't have a lot to leave my kids when I die. Maybe that'll change one day. Maybe maybe I'll win the lottery. And and that would be a real miracle, because I've never bought a ticket. So that would be that would be an incredible miracle if that were to happen. And maybe I'll become financially really well off someday, and I'll be able to leave my kids a whole lot of money. But even if I don't, I believe I'm giving them Jesus, and that's the most important thing. My parents didn't have a lot when they passed away, but they gave me more than they knew when they raised me in the Lord. And it's my hope and it's my prayer that my kids will continue a legacy of character legacy of conviction, and the legacy for Christ for the next generation. Tomorrow morning, y'all are going to wake up different, and you're going to wake up as something better than a national champion. You're going to wake up as a legacy builder for Jesus. As we move forward in the coming months and years, this church, this school, our families are going to thrive in a world that's becoming increasingly darker. We want to be that light that never dims, that shines brightly for Jesus for years to come. I want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to pray. and The worship team is going to lead us in worship. And if you'd like to bring your cards to the front or if you just want to wait until you are on your way out, you can do that as well. Um, if you have any questions uh, and you you're not clear and you want to see somebody after the service, certainly certainly, uh, catch one of us and we'll be happy to answer any question that we can for you. But uh, let's pray together and then let's worship